We are in our series going through the letter to the Ephesians, which we're calling In Christ Alone. And uh, today our subject is life in Christ. So Liz said, will you ask people if they're glad if they came to church? So I will. Now that you know we're going to talk about life in Christ, are you glad you came today? Right, good. Okay, Um, this is where we are. We were looking at Ephesians. Uh, This book written by Paul has got six chapters and we're taking six weeks over it. And uh, we've now got to chapter four. So we're over halfway through. And then next week, uh, Andrew will talk about wisdom in Christ. And then the week after that, uh, Steve will talk about being strong in Christ. But today I'm talking about life in Christ. Now, the thing about... St. Paul's writing is that he tends to give a whole lot of doctrine at the beginning of one of his epistles and then he tends to apply that to our lifestyle later on in one of his epistles. So we've now reached the point where we're moving on from doctrine, largely the first three chapters of the six of the book of the Ephesians, and we're moving into uh, the application of doctrine into our lifestyle. So we're talking about life in Christ, and we're going to read from chapter 4. It gets a bit confusing. I'm reading the end of chapter 4 first, and then I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 4. There is a reason for it. So this is Paul writing to people who've been converted to Christ in the town of Ephesus in what we now call southwestern Turkey. And uh, some of them have come out of, uh, what's the word I want, Um, some rather headline-grabbing sort of lifestyles before they came to Jesus. Uh, The cult of Diana or Artemis was... um, very prevalent in Ephesus. Uh, let's just say that some of the things that went on in the temple were probably not particularly healthy. And some of the people that he's writing to who've been converted to Jesus have come from that sort of background, which is why he says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, your former way of life with its immorality and its cheating, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying is, There's an old you, and there's a new you. There's an old you that has its roots back in the way you lived and the way you thought before you became a Christian. And there's a new you which only came into being when you turned to Jesus. Jesus has put the seed of new life in you. So there's an old you, and there's a new you. Um... Paul explains this a bit more in Galatians. He says this, The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you do not do whatever you want. 
And Jesus, in John chapter 3, talks about the same thing. He talks about flesh giving birth to flesh and the spirit giving birth to spirit. So basic to our understanding of Ephesians chapter 4 is that there's an old us and there's a new us. Let's move on. So we put off our old self and we put on our new self. Billy Graham used to tell a story, and it goes like this. In fact, I'd never heard of this story before until I was watching an episode of Death in Paradise a couple of weeks ago, where um, Humphrey Goodman um, tries to tell this story and gets it wrong. Okay. An old Cherokee grandfather is telling his grandson a story. A fight is going on inside me, he said. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He's anger, envy, greed, arrogance, resentment, lies, and ego. He's continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The wolves are fighting to the death. Wide-eyed, the boy asks his grandfather which wolf will win. The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Now, if we go away with nothing else from today's sermon, let's go away with the resolve that we will feed the new self and not the old self. I saw a statistic in this last week. Apparently, um, the average time spent on smartphones is now 2.5 hours a day. It's over 10% of the day, not even allowing for the time that you're asleep, not 10% of your waking hours, 10% of all hours, apparently, spent on your smartphone. So, I mention that not because there's anything good or bad about smartphones in themselves, but... If we spend hours instructing ourselves so that our old self is being nourished, then the wrong wolf is going to get fed. You know, we need to construct our lives so that we are feeding the God side of our nature, so that that wolf gets fed, so that we grow in Christ. Let's go on. The image, of course, is of putting on clothing or taking off clothing. Um, And I'm going to suggest that the decision for all of us to feed the correct wolf, to put on the new self, is a deliberate decision. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen if we deliberately decide that we will feed the new life in us. There's an element of discipline involved Growth in Christ doesn't happen, in a sense, by accident. We have to want it to happen. We have to allow God's space and time in our lives to make it happen. And um, Liz will tell you 
um, if you haven't worked it out already, but I'm a person who likes lots of rules. I like to live in a very regimented way. And so for me, it's important that so lots of things happen daily. It's important for me that I open my Bible daily, that I pray daily, that um, uh, I... I um, <laughs> construct a framework around me that allows space where God can speak to me. You may not have that particular character fault yourself, in which case, you know, feel free to ignore my last suggestion. But uh, for me, I find that um, a daily walk with God, a daily time of opening the scriptures, a daily time of prayer is necessary to keep me feeding the correct wolf. Okay. There's a story told about a famous concert pianist, isn't there? I forget who. Um, and um, someone asked him, well, how often do you practice? He says, well, I practice every day because um, if I miss one day's practice, I notice. If I miss two days' practice, my agent notices. If I miss three days' practice, my audience notices. And so it is with the Christian life. You know, we need to keep close to God in a routine which feeds the new self. Go away thinking about the two wolves. Which wolf are you feeding? The old wolf or the new wolf? There's more. Still in the second half of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Donald Trump would do well to pay attention to that verse. Do you realize he sends on average 142 tweets a day? Okay. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What's this passage about? This section is all about how we live and how we speak and how we react. So we are to put off falsehood. The new life in us is a life that should be speaking truth. If we feed the correct wolf, then we will be able to get out of the syndrome that a lot of people are in, where they just tell lies all the time. If you've ever been a school teacher, you know this. You know, you'll, um, you'll catch some, um, um, some child d- doing something wrong, um, and you'll, you'll mention it, and he will immediately say, but I didn't do it. And you say, but I just saw you. No, I didn't do it, but I just saw you do it. There's no point in lying about it. I saw you do it. Okay, so the new, the new, the new wolf that we're feeding is going to put off falsehood. It's not going to let us be dominated by anger. The verse says, do not let the sun go down when you're still angry. Um... I remember hearing Richard Foster, the, uh, the American writer who wrote um, quite a famous book called Celebration of Discipline, and he's written various other books. I heard him at Spring Harvest a few years ago, and uh, he said something very um, simple, but I think very profound. He said, the Hebrew idea of a day 
begins at sunset. So the evening before you go to bed is part of tomorrow. We're used to a day beginning at sunrise and continuing to sunset. But he said, you know, the Hebrew, the Hebrew approach is to think of the evening before as part of the day. So um, Shabbat or Sabbath is Saturday, but Friday night is when you celebrate Sabbath, not Saturday night. Friday night is the lead into Sabbath. Do not let the sun go down when you're still angry. If you want to sleep well, make sure that at bedtime... You begin the day, you begin the next day, that is, at bedtime, by ridding yourself of anger. Pray for anyone who's upset you. If you had a little um, frank exchange of views with your marriage partner, sort it out before you go to bed. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Recognize that in order to have a good day, The day begins at bedtime or the evening before and sort out your problems before you go to bed. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We're back to building each other up and not destroying each other by gossip and um, calumny and things like that. So these are all, if you like, activities of the old self that the new self needs to resist. But there's a whole spiritual dimension behind it, because let's stay with the same passage, but let's highlight some different words. Do not give the devil a foothold, says Paul. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So behind my behavior and your behavior behind our spitefulness or our anger or our desire to gossip or to be overcritical of somebody else. Let's see beyond that and let's see that there is a a spiritual warfare going on out of sight. The old self wants to dominate us. God wants the new self to grow to the point where the new self is the one that we feed. So who's going to win? So we take off the old self, we put on the new self. We don't allow the devil space in our lives. And we do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit given to us to create the character of Jesus within us. And God, through his Holy Spirit, when he sees that not working properly, is hurt, is sorrowful. There's a prayer in the Psalms that two weeks ago when I was preaching, I encouraged you to pray, and I'm going to encourage you to pray it again today. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Point out anything in me that makes you sad. We don't want to be people who grieve God's Holy Spirit. Let's dare to pray 
this prayer and dare to allow God to reveal to us things about our old self that God still needs to put right as we feed our new self. And there's more. We're now back to the earlier part of Ephesians chapter 4. This is the last part of the passage that I'm going to look at. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants. Here we're not talking so much about the old self and the new self. We're talking about the difference between being a child and being an adult. So this whole passage is all about being equipped and instructed and encouraged to grow and to become mature in Christ. So life in Christ, in other words, is a dynamic thing which involves growth towards maturity. God wants to equip his people. He does it, of course, through, each, through us, through each other. Those of us in the church who've got the gift of apostleship or prophecy or being an evangelist or being a pastor or a teacher. We have been given by God to the church so that the church can be equipped and matured, built up so that we come to the fullness of Christ. So we've come to the end of the sermon. Life in Christ in chapter 4 of Ephesians is about putting off the old self, putting on the new self, feeding the right wolf, if you prefer, not allowing the devil space in our lives and in our behavior patterns, allowing God to reveal to us what aspects of our behavior as Christians are still displeasing him as we grow into maturity and resolving that we will grow into maturity, that we will not be babes or infants in Christ, but that we will become adults in Christ. So, that's the end of the sermon. Remember the two wolves. Which wolf are you going to feed?